0: You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, sex and
1: relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host Brandon Ware here with my always lovely other half, Dr. Jess, and it's the last podcast podcast. 2020.
0: The last conversation at 2020. That's
1: it. She, Dr. Jess has decided she's not going to speak to me for a couple of days.
0: Well, we know I'm not going to stop <laughs> speaking. I'm always going to be talking. I, I think it's funny when you call me Dr. Jess.
1: It's only on the podcast. And where was, where was the other one?
0: In bed. In bed. That's yeah. the only place anyone has to call me doctor.
1: <laughs> That's been the running joke for what, 14 years?
0: Yeah. Although I heard someone use it the other day. They stole it. Stole my joke.
1: Stole your jokes. I got to
0: start patenting these things. So today we're going to be talking about squirting and ejaculation, ejaculatory orgasms. And I think when we think about ejaculation, we tend to think about penises, but it's for all bodies. Squirting, of course, is not a sideshow trick. You don't get points for volume or distance or force and... It doesn't even mean you have a bigger or better orgasm, although for some people that's their experience. But I think for most of us, what we know about squirting or what we believe about squirting comes from pornography. And I get so many questions about squirting. People want to know, you know, how to do it. Can everybody do it? Uh, What toys do you use to do it? What is it? Is it pee? Uh, How do I get my partner to do it? Does it really feel good? What do I do when my partner doesn't want to do it? And... I have to admit that I'd say 90% of the questions I receive around squirting are really rooted in performance. And I think even beginning with the language, it's important to note that squirting is a bit of a misnomer. Because unless you've got a super soaker 2000 hidden in your vagina, it's not always a big squirt across the room. Again, in porn, I know that it's a very visual medium. So it's always going across the room, taking out camera two, camera two's down. We got to switch to camera one, go to the wide angle. But in real life, it might be more of a drip or a dribble as opposed to a really visible gush. And if you've ever, you know, had the sex and then gotten up after the sex and there's a wet spot in bed and then you tell your partner, hey, switch sides with me. I can't sleep in that wet spot. it's probably evidence of some sort of squirt or ejaculation. Now, I I wanted to begin by talking about some of the research in this field, because I have spoken about G-spots and squirting in the past, but we do have, I don't want to say updated information, just, yeah, I guess it's updated by volume. There's more information now. And some researchers have been trying to differentiate between squirting and ejaculation. So It's not necessarily just semantics. There are some researchers uh, who wrote a recent paper that aim to differentiate between ejaculation and squirting, and their theory suggests that these are two totally distinct processes. So these researchers believe that ejaculation involves a thicker substance that is similar to ejaculate from the penis via the prostate, Um, whereas... Squirting involves a more voluminous, clear fluid, which they say includes diluted urine. And now, of course, this is possible. It's possible that people with vaginas can both squirt and ejaculate. But when I looked into the research, based on what I was able to dig up, I don't see any confirmation that this is the case. And the research paper that aim to differentiate between squirting and ejaculation. So squirting being something kind of thin, more probably what you see in porn, uh, and that squirting includes pee, and ejaculate being more similar to prostatic fluid. Their research, first of all, has this major confirmation bias because they call it real ejaculate versus the squirting ejaculate. But more importantly, they only looked at one single participant. All right, so... I don't have the answers. I'm not suggesting that, you know, I can definitively say that squirting and ejaculating for people with vaginas are in fact the same thing. But what I can't find from the literature I went through is data confirming that there are these two distinct processes. And what matters to me is that so many people describe the sensation of fluid expulsion Similarly, regardless of whether or not the fluid is really plentiful or the fluid is kind of scarce, regardless of whether the fluid is thin or thick. And so for my, I guess for my purposes here, I'm gonna use squirting and ejaculation interchangeably. And I'm gonna admit that I don't have all the answers and maybe in a year I'll see data otherwise and I'll go back and update this. But I'm going to use these terms interchangeably because they both involve some expulsion of fluid during sex play. And I don't think we need to do a sniff test or measure the fluids or send our bodily fluids to the labs in order to experiment and enjoy pleasure. And so I wanted to begin with a discussion of the language of squirting, but also You know, acknowledge that some people like to squirt and some people don't and it's not something you must do. So if you are a person who is listening for their partner and wants their partner to squirt, I'm just going to implore you to take a step back from that pressure and ask yourself why. Why do I want my partner to squirt? Or if I'm interested in squirting, why do I want to squirt? I think this is such an important question and there's no right or wrong answer, right? There's nothing wrong with enjoying performance if you're turned on by performance. Because I think sometimes I've talked about, you know, pleasure as the measure of a sexual experience but even that is very limiting there are so many reasons we have sex it could be emotional could be physical could be mental could be relational could be spiritual could be you know just to pass time to relieve stress like there are whatever your reasons for having sex or whatever your reasons for wanting to pursue or explore a specific experience they're yours and they're valid and I think it's worth a little bit of reflection. And so because you're here, let me ask you, what were your original ideas about squirting? Like, what did you believe when you were younger? Where did you learn it? What did you see? What did you think? And then I'll ask you about kind of what you think now.
1: Never thought, never thought about it or saw it until I watched porn. I never had a partner that squirted and didn't care. I personally didn't care. I think there was a point where I associated somebody squirting with my, um, involvement in giving them an orgasm like performance. Or, or like performance. Yeah, it was, it was totally performance. So the idea for a while was, well, if my part, if, if for instance, let's talk about us, if you were squirting and if you were squirting in a big way that I must be doing something right. Mm. And I think, I feel I think differently now I also think that from um, I think that if you are if you're too wet it, it actually changes things for me too and that's not to say oh my gosh you're so wet that you know I must be I must be amazing but there are different things that change it the sensation and the pleasure for me too.
0: Okay. So that's interesting because we always kind of talk wetter better, but wetter isn't always better. Like even for me with orgasm, uh, and I don't want to get too into the nitty gritty of what I do. I'm not really comfortable with that at this moment in time, but I can say, yeah, there's a point at which some of the clitoral friction becomes too reduced if there's too much fluid and so that is only my experience that may not be someone else's experience and i think that's before we get into you know what squirting is what the ejaculate is how to do it the different toys the different techniques which we're going to get to i just really want to underscore which i know i always do and so maybe some people feel like i'm going over it over and over again but that whatever feels good for you is kind of all that matters right whether that's a good physical feeling a good emotional feeling whatever works for you and I, I think it is important to note because you mentioned that oh you think you're do you used to think you're doing something right if someone was really wet or squirting I think it's also important to differentiate between squirting or ejaculation and orgasm because an orgasm tends to refer to this, height of pleasure followed by this like intense release whereas ejaculation or squirting specifically refers to the expulsion of fluid and we have the same differentiation that applies to penises although most penises experience is that you know you ejaculate an orgasm at the same time you can also have dry orgasms been there (laughs) did you know what was happening
1: i think i was a lot younger and no i didn't oh and also, um, I've noticed I, I've I've actually had situations where I have orgasmed and not ejaculated as, you know, as as we've as I've gotten older. And it's a very unusual situation the first time you have you're kind of like, what just happened? Like I expected things to be like I, I associate orgasm and ejaculation to be the same thing. So when I believed to have had an orgasm without ejaculating, I was almost like am I still good to continue here? (laughs) Have I, did I, you know, are we done or am I, not we done, but am I done? Because did I, you know, is this done on my end? And then all of a sudden you realize you're like, no, actually I can continue. And it was a very, um, a very unique situation.
0: Actually, I'd love to talk about that, about dry orgasms, because it can lead to multiple orgasms for penises. You can maintain your erection if that's something you want to do. But Going back to this side, so sometimes we'll hear squirting referred to as female ejaculation. And of course, you know, we we want to break down that gender binary here. Uh, but I do want to just acknowledge that term because it might be what people are looking for. But squirting tends to involve, because everybody wants to know, so what is it and where does it come from? It involves the expulsion of fluid during sex play for people with vulvas and vaginas. And the fluid is believed to be associated with the skein's glands, which drain into the urethra and are often considered a part of the G-spot or the G-area or the G-zone. And Cosmo came out with an article this year basically saying that the G-spot is not a thing and sort of apologizing for being too hung up on the G-spot and committing to doing better. And here's the thing, this actually for me comes down to semantics and not everybody's going to agree with me, but the G-zone is, you know, embedded in the spongy tissue that surrounds the urethra. Um, and those skin glands are actually considered homologous to the prostate glands, which explains why the contents of ejaculate for folks with vaginas can be similar to prostatic fluid for people with penises. and. When they actually test the ejaculate, they found that it does contain prostatic-specific antigen, prostatic acid, uh, phosphatase, urea, creatine, glucose, fructose, other things. I don't remember the whole list right now. Um, And so it's very similar to prostatic fluid. But in some cases, it can also contain traces of diluted urine. (laughs) So to go back to that original study I was talking about with that single person, I think it's important to note that different things can come out at different times and it actually is not a big deal, right? Like if it feels good, you don't have to analyze, you don't have to apologize. And it might be one way, like kind of more viscous one day or a little thicker another day. Uh, It may have to do with your cycle. It may have to do with pressure on the bladder. It may have to do with how much fluid is in your bladder. It's not just when people say, is it pee? It could contain P, it may not contain P but it also doesn't matter if you're doing this for pleasure. So if we look at exploring that G zone and exploring ejaculation, I do hope it's for something that feels good for you, not so you can check a box, unless I guess checking a box feels good for you. So if we talk about the G spot and the G area, I do think G zone or G area is a bit of, more, a, bit of a more appropriate name. Uh, and where it is, is it's accessible through the vagina. It's not inside the vagina, but you access it through the vagina along the upper wall. So if you were to slide into the vagina, you curl your fingers or your toy up toward the tummy wall. It doesn't tend to be very deep, but always everybody's body is different and Dr. Beverly Whipple was the one who named the G-spot after Dr. Graffenberg, who was an MD, and Graffenberg previously had described it as a distinct erotogenic zone <laughs> on the interior vaginal wall along the urethra that responds to sexual stimulation. But I think it's important to note that it's not a magic button. Not everybody likes this G-zone played with, and it's an area marked by many sensitive nerve pathways and tissues and organs, but it is not a distinct organ or entity in and of itself. So it's not like your eyeball or your liver. It's an area. It's a zone. And it's not located inside the vagina, but you feel it through the vagina, and when stimulated, the tissue can begin to swell. So if you were to reach in right now and try and feel it, you might not feel that G-zone. Now, what does a G-zone feel like? As you become more aroused and blood flows to the area, it feels a little bit more textured and ridge-like than the rest of the vaginal canal. And many people will tell you that the sensitivity and even the Physical sensation changes from day to day. It changes with the menstrual cycle. It changes with your mood. It can also change with your arousal level. So, as I said, if you reach in now, you may not feel kind of the ridge or textured area, but the more turned on you get, the more you might feel that texture.
1: It's so interesting to me that you talked about the idea like, do you care? If we were having sex and I was doing something that you really liked. Mm-hmm. And if you were to squirt a lot, mm-hmm. I wouldn't care what was in it. Hmm. Like it just, I, I would actually be happy if you were enjoying it mm-hmm. and I, it wouldn't matter what's in it. Like it, I just, when people start, when I, when I hear this study about getting, I don't know a study, but people getting hung up on maybe what's inside the the fluid, to me, I think about my own perspective. I'm like, what do I care what's in it? If you're vibing on this,
0: I think the flip side is as the person who's releasing that fluid, we could feel self-conscious if we thought it was pee. Like I'm comfortable with you. And even if I did pee on you, it wouldn't be something that stresses me out, but maybe with a new partner or something like that, that, we might feel more sensitive, more, more self-conscious. Now, Mm -hmm. In terms of volume, generally speaking, it's, it's not like a cup of fluid or half a cup. It's often less than a teaspoon in volume. Uh, and of course, human variation is so varied, right? Some people expel more, some people expel less. But I think it's also important to note that the volume of fluid is not necessarily indicative of pleasure right? So, you know, if I'm sweating or if I'm drooling in my sleep, the amount of fluid released just, it varies from person to person. So it's not a contest. So when I say, for example, it tends to be less than a teaspoon in volume, somebody's going to say, well, I actually squirt a ton. And again, this just comes down to the fact that every single body is different. So just kind of do what feels good for you. Uh, Another question I often receive has to do with taste. And some people will describe the fluid as a little bit sweet. Some people will say that it has no taste at all. Uh, I really want to underscore that some people love the sensation of squirting and they consider ejaculatory orgasms just kind of the ultimate full body experience. And that makes sense because that G-zone is thought to communicate with, brain, with the brain via the deep innervations of the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve wanders throughout the body, which creates a more full-bodied sensation. And so some people just love it and some people are like, oh, it's just more laundry, right? So it is really different for each person. Uh, one of the m- most common questions I get, and this tends to come from hetero men who are having sex with women, they want to know if everyone can squirt. Like they seem to be, I, I get this question all the time. I've got it several times this week via email. People want to know, can everyone do it? Like, is something wrong with my partner if they're not doing it? Can I talk my partner into doing it? And I suppose it's possible for everyone to experience some version of squirting, but it likely won't look like it does in porn because porn is such a visual medium. So, you know, sex is physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, audio, visual, so much more. But with porn, it's just this kind of one dimension of what can I see, maybe even what can I hear. But the real process of sex is diluted or enhanced by all these other things. So if you're just looking for the visual evidence, it may seem like someone isn't squirting. And I just, again, want to get away from that piece around pressure. So I hope I've covered kind of all the basics before we get into the how. So the G-zone is part of the urethral sponge. You access it by sliding into the vaginal canal and curling up toward the tummy wall. You'll feel something that's a bit more textured and this area tends to be associated with ejaculatory orgasms now, or squirting orgasms. And if you want to learn to squirt, there are so many different ways, obviously, to play with this G area, but I always recommend that you kind of enjoy the whole process. So, you know, caress your body or your partner's body for a few minutes, rub and touch and vibe between their legs, against their lips, against their clitoris, against their thighs. Don't go straight for the G spot. I think when we get hung up on an outcome, we go straight for this supposed button, which is not a button, it's just an area, and kind of keep touching and stroking and caressing and vibing in a way that just gets, your, gets you really turned on. Like feel your body getting aroused, allow your breath to really deepen, let your sounds flow before you even go close to the G spot. So I'm talking like five minutes, ten minutes of fantasizing or really just thinking about what feels good for you. And then when you're ready, you can curl a couple of lubed up fingers or a toy, and I'll talk about toys in a moment, into a really shallow depth into the vaginal canal and press up toward the tummy wall. And you might just kind of rock against that spot Or you might kind of pulse against that spot. You might take your fingers and kind of, let's say you're using your index and middle fingers and just kind of open and close those fingers. Um, The visual is sort of like scissors opening and closing, but I know that doesn't sound good for for the vagina, but it's not scissors, it's just your fingers. You might kind of tick-tock sort of like a windshield wiper over that area, slowly and gently as the arousal builds, and as you or they get closer to orgasm, one of the ways to bring on a squirting orgasm involves stimulating that G-zone from the inside out. And now I've seen live demos of, of female ejaculation or G-spot ejaculation, and I think I have to admit that early on I was kind of incredulous when I thought, is there really a technique that can lead to a squirter or orgasm? And I, again, I want to say that it's not a surefire technique, but I've, I've watched many people with vaginas enjoy these gusher orgasms. Uh, but were you there for any of those, babe?
1: I was not. Oh, you weren't? No. Oh. I, um, I have not witnessed, if you will, in real life, somebody... Um, Bringing somebody else to a squirting orgasm.
0: Okay, so I thought you were there, but I was at Hedonism. Mm -hmm. And Hedonism is actually very close to where we are right now. And sometimes I would go without you. You never prioritized coming to Hedonism. (laughs) No, I did not. (laughs) And I do recall a bunch of folks standing up, and people would do this technique. So the technique would involve getting them all riled up and turned on in whatever way work for them and everybody's different. But then they would curl two fingers into the vaginal canal and kind of move in a come hither motion toward the tummy. And quite frankly, they would do this really quickly and really, I'm, I'm going to describe it how I saw it, aggressively. Like it just looked so fast and aggressive that watching it was definitely not a turn on for me. But I think it's because I wasn't Aroused, like I was kind of watching it from this educational or clinical perspective, trying to learn. And these people who were volunteering were actually turned on. And so when you're turned on, you've got that oxytocin, the adrenaline, it floods your body. So things that might otherwise feel uncomfortable, like it felt uncomfortable for me to watch, start to feel good. So it felt good for them, but for me, it looked really aggressive. So they would curl in this come hither motion, like come here with their two fingers hard against that G-spot in that in the vaginal canal and then they take their other hand and press it against the lower abdomen and sort of press and release smoothly in rhythm with the internal hand so what you're doing is you're stimulating that urethral sponge the site of the G area from inside the vagina and through the abdominal wall and I did observe people squirting now does that mean it's gonna work you know like a charm on everyone no it worked for these people and they kind of followed the rhythm of their hips allowing the body to kind of sink into the rhythm and the pressure and so if we were to kind of break this down into steps because I'm talking freeform here you're curling against the g-spot internally you're pressing on the abdominal wall externally. And what these folks described is that they would bear down with their pelvic floor muscles, like they're pushing something out of their vagina. So rather than kind of tensing up, like we tend to do with more of a clitoral focused orgasm, um, they would actually push out. So we've got the curling on the G-spot, pressing on the abdomen, relaxing, breathing heavily, already being turned on, and then using that bearing down motion to allow the fluid to be expelled. And for many of us, this feels really counterintuitive. Um, So the more familiar you become with your pelvic floor, the more likely you'll be able to kind of release the tension during sex, because this bearing down sensation is often described as really essential to enjoying both the more full-bodied sensation associated with the G-zone and allowing the release of that fluid. Now, when you press on the abdomen, you're pressing on the bladder. And so for some people, it can feel really uncomfortable because they're scared of peeing and they hold back and don't allow themselves to experience that sensation. And that's okay, all right? And here's, here's the other thing. I've had people tell me that emptying their bladder ahead of time helps to put them at ease so that they, they don't feel like they're peeing. But then I've had people say, actually, Jess, I prefer a full bladder because it puts more pressure on my G-spot. So this again comes back to the fact that you've got to figure out what works for you.
1: Seems, I, I, I feel like I would need to, <laughs> like the idea of letting go would be very difficult.
0: Right, that feeling of having to pee.
1: Yeah, and just uh, I guess I'm also visualizing this happening in a setting where other people are watching and for me that would be very difficult to relax. Now I know I'm not having a I'm not able to have a G-spot G squirting orgasm.
0: You actually are via your prostate, your P-spot.
1: Okay, so let's go that let's go that route. If somebody was doing that to me in a group setting, I can guarantee you that the the first few times it would not work out well for anybody, me in particular.
0: Yeah, I'm with you because <laughs> I get self conscious, but yeah. some people really like. I'm thinking about this group of people who lined up. I, I can tell you, it was in the disco at Hedonism Two, and I remember like getting towels because I was like, "The floor is dirty. The floor is getting dirty." But
1: <laughs> the practical side comes out
0: right. But they are exhibitionists, right? Like they yeah, really. And I'm sure. not saying that you know, you don't have moments where you're also into exhibitionism. But some people are really turned on by that public setting. I will say that many of these folks had done it before. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't their first time. But there were people who lined up for the first time. And I have to admit, my mind was blown. Now, again, this is just observation, just anecdote. I'm not saying, hey, if you do this, this will happen. I also think that part of what made the expulsion of fluid more discernible had to do with the fact that they were standing right so i can see the fluid oh, coming down they their were legs.
1: standing yeah. i'm assuming that everyone was lying down oh, so sorry. the assumption that you could see it I, I would think had to be a large amount but now that you're saying that they were standing it makes sense
0: yeah they were standing and they were also comfortable with themselves and comfortable with the sensation and again squirting is not for everyone so The G-spot, the G-zone, it doesn't always feel good to have it touched. I always use the example of feet. Some people love having their feet rubbed. Some people don't. Only you know what works for you. And so I will say, though, that what feels good on day one of your menstrual cycle, for those who menstruate, may not feel good on day 14. And so I do think that sometimes trying things a couple of times in different ways without pressure without the pressure to squirt, just to enjoy the process. And even when I think about putting this podcast out there, I'm so afraid of it being one more layer of pressure on people. So again, like if you never squirt, but you do some of these things, you might learn something new about your body. You might discover a new pathway to pleasure. So I specifically shared that kind of squirter technique that involves a couple of fingers in the vagina, a hand on the abdomen, but there are obviously other ways to squirt. So if you're having intercourse with a penis or with a strap on, any position that puts pressure on your G-spot may result in a more ejaculatory orgasm. I've seen other people focus on the U-spot. Now the U-spot is the area around the urethral meatus, so the hole that you pee out of. Some people will actually pull out, they'll stop doing the come-hither motion, and they'll just play around the outside of the urethra to put some pressure on those glands right there. Um, I'll tell you personally, for me, that doesn't feel good, but for other people, it feels really good. I've seen other people combine G-spot stimulation with stimulation of the clitoral head, and that results in ejaculation. So I'm giving you lots of options here. Uh, certainly, if you want to use toys, one of the toys that can lead to a squirter and intense orgasm is the Womanizer Duo. So the Womanizer Duo is a dual arm toy. So the outer arm has an opening that sits around the head of the clitoris and releases those little waves of air changes in air pressure to create kind of a suction sensation over the head of the external clitoris. But the inner arm curves upward inside the vagina against the G-spot to provide really rumbly vibrations. And you can actually control each of these arms separately. So you can Customize with kind of gentle suction on the outside and more powerful vibrations internally against the G spot. It's kind of up to you how you customize it. So that one is called the Womanizer Duo. And not only, you know, listen, if you don't have a squirter or orgasm, you're probably going to have <laughs> some, some fun with it nonetheless. And I, if you do go to the Womanizer site, so womanizer.com, please do use code. Dr. Jess to save a few dollars and so that they know that you heard about it here they're not sponsoring this podcast but I do love it and they do give me credit if you if you check it out Uh, another toy that's you know really great just for the g-spot is the we vibe rave so this is an asymmetrical vibrator that is perfect for the g-spot and it looks sort of phallus shaped but it actually has an ergonomic handle so it's really easy to maneuver and it has these soft they call them pleasure edges they're sort of like a gentle ridge along the portion that goes inside so it gives you a little extra stimulation and with this toy a lot of people like to kind of rock back and forth from side to side and pulse against that upper inner wall the g zone so you can kind of start with the lowest since sens- the lowest sensation vibrations, and kind of work your way up. And the other option with a toy like the rave is that rather than moving the toy, you can actually just use your hips, which can be a little bit more intuitive. So we have the Womanizer Duo and the We Vibe Rave, as in you know the party that Brandon used to go to in the dark with furry pants and a yo-yo.
1: <laughs> I actually never did go, but thank you.
0: Oh, you look like a raver to me. Really? I don't know. Okay. Did you have a yellow beard? You like dyed your beard?
1: <laughs> Just the tips.
0: Just the tip. <laughs> frosted, you had a frosted tip beard. I didn't. Hang on, though. You did have frosted tips.
1: I did in like grade ten. You're you're welcome. <laughs> if you want some photos, I can get you get you them. The other thing is with that womanizer duo. The first time I saw it, I thought to myself, did somebody watch Star Trek? and the what is it that USS Enterprise cuz it looks like that like i understand it works phenomenally well
0: it does look like a little but spaceship. it looks like
1: a spaceship
0: yeah you'll know the womanizer duo when you see this spaceship What do you call it? SS?
1: The USS Enterprise.
0: Enterprise, yeah. The the Star Trek, it's the thing that flies through the air, right? It's their
1: ship, yes. Okay, the
0: ship, the spaceship, that's it. Uh, If you are interested in the WeVibe products at wevibe.com, you can also use code Dr. Jess to save. And then there's this other toy that I thought would be kind of interesting against the G-Spot. It's called, I haven't tried it yet, it's called the Crave Flex and it's a, kind of has this flexible tip so you can adjust it to kind of suit your own angles and they used a community of beta beta testers to help design the different vibrating settings uh, and again you can just bend the kind of soft tip uh so that you get the pressure against your g-spot that you want so uh, a couple of options there oh i should also mention the new nova 2 so You've probably heard me talk about the NOVA, which is kind of an updated version of the old school rabbit vibrator. Uh, It has two arms, so one internal, one external. And because it stimulates two distinct areas that are believed to communicate pleasure to the brain via two separate nerve pathways, so the pudendal nerve and the vagus nerve, this NOVA too has the potential to kind of produce more varied and intense orgasms and you know I've had many people who have just accidentally discovered squirter orgasms Uh, they use the inner arm which curves into the vaginal canal to press on the g area with the kind of very rumbly vibrations and then the outer arm bends to press and vibrate against the external hood shaft and head of the clitoris and it's adjustable And what I like about this toy is that it's not an in and out sensation. I mean, you can use it that way if you want, but it's really designed to be used in kind of a rocking back and forth. uh, I want to say circular motion, but more of like a rounded motion. And so you can really pulse it against the G spot uh, to play with different rhythmic sensations. And you can also try it in different positions. I, I hear from a lot of people who like using the Nova 2 on their side, so they can sort of squeeze their legs together and increase the pressure not only internally, it's got a bulb that's obviously going to stimulate the G-spot, but also it kind of increases pressure against the lips on the outside, and that's the WeVibe Nova 2.
1: We vibe, I mean, again, I know we're not promoting them here, so I, you know. No, this. we're
0: promoting them. I just, <laughs> I'm just mean, they're, they're not, not
1: sponsoring this podcast, <laughs> but I, I really like their toys. I think they look beautiful. I like the colors. I like everything about them.
0: I've <laughs> never heard you say anything like <laughs> that. I know, like it's like really that.
1: weird, but it's just, it's a nice looking toy.
0: Yeah, Brandon's still hung up on the pivot. I'm
1: still, yeah, oh Yeah. That's my jam.
0: That's your jam. Uh, You know, because we're talking about squirting and I kind of wanted to cover everything. I hope I've covered a lot here. I I hope that I've really differentiated between squirting as something that you might explore versus something that you get points for. I do hope that folks stop pressuring their partners to squirt. Like, please, no, really. um, There's nothing that takes away from pleasure, for me at least, and for so many people as much as pressure. We always say pressure is the antithesis to pleasure. And I I wanted to briefly close by talking about getting wet because we're talking about squirting, so I think we'd be remiss not to talk about bodily fluids like vaginal lubrication because getting wet is often seen as this sign of arousal. And I'm just going to speak from my experience that sometimes I'm, I'm super aroused and I'm dry. And sometimes I'm not aroused at all and I wish (laughs) I wasn't wet. And I hear this from hundreds of people that the body's physiological reactions to desire and arousal don't always align with, you know, what we expect. And I do think people think, oh, you're hard, you must be turned on. Oh, you're wet, you must be turned on. But that's not always the case.
1: Yeah, ask any 15-year-old boy (laughs) about (laughs) desire, arousal, and it's like, why do you have an erection in 10th grade math class you know what I mean you're like I don't know boxers. we're talking about algebra all of a sudden you've got an erection
0: solving for x is hot (laughs) Uh, yeah absolutely so I I just kind of wanted to talk about that I don't know I, I think you sort of thought that way at times right like that if I'm wet then you're doing it all right or something
1: yeah. I mean, that really resonates with me going back to what, 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 am I, what am I hoping to get out of this? Like if, am I just trying to check a box as you said? And if you are, that's cool. But my goal is, you know, obviously pleasure for myself and pleasure for you. So I'm just trying to do anything that I feel like you're really digging in, right. the, in the moment. And if I keep doing that, and if you were to squirt, awesome. And if you were to not squirt, but you were still feeling it, mm-hmm. then I think that's awesome too. And of course I'm enjoying myself along the way. So I, I guess for me it would be what am I going into this trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. And if we had a conversation ahead of time where I said to you, you know, I it really turns me on when you squirt mm-hmm. because it happened once before. I really want to do that again, then I feel I feel like that's going to be what I want to do, but there's two people in this dance So the other person has to be you would have to be down for that, too
0: Yeah, i'll tell you if I had it in my head that I need to squirt or that you want me to squirt I, I probably just wouldn't be able to because yeah the pressure Yeah, i'd be focused on whether that's happening and then I wouldn't be tuned into the pleasure for me It just takes away from the mindfulness of it. And that's really what I I don't wanna like add to that burden for people. So just once again, I do hope that you play with some of these techniques, play with some of these toys, get to know your body, explore that G zone, but also know that whatever your experience is, you know, you know your body best. And so if something feels good, maybe explore it a bit more. If it doesn't feel good, Shelve it and do something else. And I will say the biggest mistake we make when we're trying something new oftentimes is we go straight to the new thing. And I always encourage people to do what you already know works. So if kissing and snuggling or fingering or finger in the butt, or, you know, licking the left ball or playing with the right nipple or a tongue in the ear or caressing your nostril already turns you on, do those things and then add this something new. But sometimes it can be really helpful to wait until you're 80% of the way to orgasm before you add that new thing because then you'll be so into the experience that you won't be distracted by the new thing.
1: I've also noticed that like for for us, we've started to get into something and then all of a sudden I'm not into it. So I, I just pull back. Mm-hmm. Or if I notice that you're not into it, I can pull back and go back to what you just said, which is those things... That are working so well.
0: Like right nipple, left ball for Brandon. <laughs> so
1: it is. Okay. I might be backwards because I'm are facing Are you backwards because you. you're facing me? Anyway. Oh,
0: yeah. It's the opposite, isn't it? Let's just tell the people <laughs> the truth. It's your left nipple. What? <laughs> and on that note,
1: yeah. we're
0: going to wrap this up. Last podcast of 2020. Wishing everybody a happier, healthier, more harmonious, lower anxiety. 2021 stay
1: safe yeah. stay healthy you know it's just so much good to look forward to in 2021
0: yes thanks babe for chatting with me thanks folks for listening thanks we vibe for sending me toys all the time as well as <laughs>